The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss the art and science of marketing to marketers. Joining us is Dan McGaw, who is the founder and CEO of McGaw.io, which is an analytics and marketing technology consultancy. And prior to founding McGaw.io, Dan served as the CMO of Kissmetrics.com and the VP of Growth at Codeschool.com. Yesterday, Dan and I talked about how you can drive awareness within marketers and also just basically how to market to marketers and how maybe we're not the easiest people to market to. And today we're going to continue the conversation and give you a couple of useful tips that Dan recommends on how you can make your funnel convert higher in less than 24 hours. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Dan McGaw, founder and CEO of McGaw.io. Dan, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Hey, what's up, Ben? How are you? Good to hear from you again. <laughs> Thanks. We had a good conversation yesterday talking about how to market to marketers. Hey, hold up a shiny object and we will come running. That's my basic takeaway. Doesn't mean we always buy the right thing now, does it? No, it does not. But you know what? At least we made it simple. Hey, that's kind of the mantra for a big part of your career. Keep it short and simple as the former head of marketing at Kiss Metrics. Look, you've been around the block. You've done this a couple of times. You run a successful MarTech consultancy. One of the things that people ask me is just a very general question of how do I make my funnel more efficient? When you sit down with some of your customers and you're starting to you know, look under the covers, turn over some rocks, what are some of the basic things that you think that they need to address to start to just drive incremental efficiencies quickly? I think the biggest thing that people really mess up on is really the imagery that's matched with the text. They kind of forget that people know how to read, and then they also make sure that they focus more on the images than they do the text. People are reading that text more than they're looking at the images. Yeah, they might scan through your site like you do, because that's all you ever do is look at the images when you look at your site. But you've got to make sure that the copy makes the most sense. And you've got to focus on the value props as quickly as you can in the priority that your customer is going to say it. And the only thing that I would highly recommend is if you're looking to rewrite your site, interview your customers, use the exact things that they say, and then put those on your website. Don't try to write the copy. Let your customers write the copy for you. A lot to unpack there. First and foremost, it's interesting to me that your first recommendation was, hey, you've got to focus on the text, right? People are scanning through your site. And I kind of think of the text of your website to be broken up into two parts. There's the headlines, right? The bolded part. And then there's the descriptions below. Whatever you're doing, you're going to have 
your company tagline and the description of your company. You're going to have products and services. You got to title them, whatever you put in bold, and then whatever you're describing. I don't think people actually read most of the descriptive text. To me, what matters is how you're just headlining and describing. Is that what you've seen with your experience? Are you bifurcating the type of text that you're putting on the website? I think you should definitely start with your copy first. Obviously, my original statement is in regards to focusing on the text before you focus on the images. I think the headlines are really, really important, but the prioritization of those headlines is probably what's even more important. Naturally, if somebody sees something that they're interested in, right, so the value prop that really sticks out to them, they are going to read that description, right? So they are going to gravitate to trying to get more clarification on whatever they saw because they're skimming to look for things that stand out to them. And if you have nothing that stands out to them, naturally, they're not going to care. So that's the reason why I talk about putting the value props at the top for that user group. But at the same time, if they find the value prop that they care about, they are going to read the description or click onto the next page where they're going to read the content on that page. And that's where you do really have to focus on the copy because the image is not going to tell them everything. It's interesting. I'm, the first thing my head goes to when you're talking about finding text or a value proposition that's going to grab someone's attention is it's very similar to performance marketing. You need a thumb-stopping image before somebody looks at your brand. You need just that picture on the Instagram feed that's going to get somebody to use their thumb, stop, and look. And you're essentially saying, hey, you need the headline, the value prop, the bolded text, whatever it is, to grab their attention, show some sort of value, get them to read more, and hopefully click on to the next page. So there is some sort of parallel between website optimization, funnel optimization, and your performance marketing efforts. Well, one, you had said Instagram and performance marketing in the same sentence, and then also the website, right? I don't think it's fair to compare Instagram to your website because Instagram is a totally different medium. It's a passive medium. It's meant for images, right? Your website, which is compared to many other websites, are found based upon the text that's on the website. Yeah, the images are part of the design, and yes, images are part of the distraction and part of the makeup of it, but your website is meant to be read. It's not like Twitter where it's meant to be scrolled through in the same fashion or Instagram. Absolutely. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is in performance marketing, you need a thumb-stopping image. People are distracted, passive content consumption, and it's you know a push mechanism. But what matters is having an image that stops people. On your website, you need something that is thumb-stopping, but it is not the image that's thumb-stopping. It is the value prop. It is that bolded text or whatever your value proposition is going to be that's going to grab someone's attention and stop them from scrolling down the page and get them to actually start reading. And that's the comparison I was making between Instagram and website funnel optimization. I get it now. Thank you. One of the other things that you said that stuck out to me is that you ask your customers for the copy. Talk to me about your process for getting the value props, getting the product descriptions, whatever you need to out of your customers. How do you do that? So there's a couple of different ways to do this. And I think the most common way is, of course, get on the phone. Get on the phone, record the conversation, and talk with them. But you need to do what's known as customer development and follow what we would either say the Eric Reese or Steve Blank model. And for anybody out there who's listened to or read the book or listened to the book by Eric Reese, Lean Startup, you need to understand that he almost got all of his content from Steve Blank, the real guy who started customer development. And if you go through the customer development process, which is asking non-leading questions, you're able to get your customers to clearly describe their problems in their words. And it's really, really helpful to get that. And if you do that in a Zoom call, write down all of the text that they tell you, you're going to be able to find different key phrases and different words that they use, which you need to use nearly verbatim the exact same way that they said it. And that's going to be what gets your customer to really stop and stick is the moment they read what's inside their head, they're going to immediately resonate with that. And they're then going to want to act on that. 
That's why it's so important to really try to interview your customers. Now, I know it's not always possible to interview your customers. One of our former clients, a big company called Forks Over Knives, we were able to basically send on a survey to over 100,000 people to get them to respond. And we got 16,000 responses. Well, it's really, really hard to parse all that information. But if we were able to parse that, which we were, if you just Googled Magal.io keyword phrase parser, you can drop in open text from surveys and basically say, show me all the five-word phrases that people said inside of that open text. And that will kick back all the five-word phrases, including the number of times that it was said, or four-word phrases, three-word phrases, things like that. Basically, we took all 16,000 responses, dumped it into that tool, then basically spit back all the five-word phrases. And we were able to see patterns in regards to, one, what were the words people were using? How were people saying things? And then how should we use that on the site? And a very old way that we did this was they had an online cooking course that people would buy. We want to understand how people learned how to cook in the first place. People in their demographic were not used to learning online. How did they learn how to cook in the first place? Their mother taught them at home. So we started changing the language on the site to really focus on learn how to cook at home like your mother would teach you. And we were able to dramatically increase the conversion because that was something that they said that resonated with them and then got them to purchase. I think a lot of people kind of forget that. They think, oh, I'm a marketer. Let me jargon this up. Let me sell this. And really, you've just got to use the words your customers give you. And that's usually the best converting copy you're going to have. It's one of the biggest hangups that I have. Also, one of the ways that I was able to run a consulting practice is by not trying to sexy up the language, but by trying to make it as simple and clear as it possibly could be. I feel like there is a trap for marketers trying to make their copy more impressive, trying to make it more sophisticated. And really all that does is make it more confusing. Now, when you go and talk to your customers, you mentioned you're using non-leading questions. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Give me an example of some of the questions that you would try to ask your customers to learn about how they think about your products and services? 
I'll use my company as an example, just to try to keep it easier. And Maga.io, right, we're a marketing technology and marketing analytics consulting company. So if I was trying to ask a fellow marketer, a VP of marketing or a C-suite person, a question to be able to help me inform the way that I would ultimately write the content on my site, the questions that I would be asking them would not be like, why would you choose Maga.io? Because naturally that's attaching it to my company. Or can you tell me the reasons why you would use Maga.io for this? Or can you tell me anything that has to do with leading you into a direction? I would first ask the question, do you have a marketing technology problem? And then they would, of course, answer yes or no. Can you tell me more about that marketing technology problem that you're having? And where is that technology problem? And they're going to constantly drive the conversation wherever their mind is going to go. We're not trying to say straight out of the gate, do you have a marketing automation problem? Because at that point, we're now leading the conversation into a specific direction. Now, naturally, if you're a marketing automation tool and you're trying to find out specific things about marketing automation, you can do some of that leading. But you don't want to drive them into a specific path because you want to be able to have them lead the direction based upon their own problems because they're going to tell you the highest priority problem they have right out of the gate. So if I was to ask what type of marketing technology problems you have, they're going to tell me something. And as they ask that, I might say, well, why are you having issues with your marketing automation? If that's what they brought up, they might continue to lead that conversation on their own we don't want to try to push them in any specific way because it's not a bad thing to find out that they don't have this problem. It's actually a really good thing to find out that they don't have that problem because if they do expose their problems, well, now you know what you're actually supposed to be solving or, hey, you're not the right customer that I should be talking to. So I shouldn't be using your information in the rest of my copy building. So you just want to try to make sure that it's very, very open-ended. And you'll see this a lot in software companies where they make the mistake of, hey, look at this new product feature that I just created that does X, Y, and Z. Do you like it? That's a leading question in the fact that they're specifically answering around something very small. And now they have to make the decision, am I going to hurt this guy's feelings if I say I don't like this? And that's leading somebody into a path or into a corner, as we would say. And you just don't want to do those types of things when you do customer development. Yeah, I think that what you're talking about here is not specifically just interviewing customers, but people that are interested in your general products and services, interested in the class of products. One of the things that I've done is go and specifically talk to existing customers, and I will ask about basically their buying decisions. When you were looking for your marketing and analytics consultancy, what were the problems that you were facing? And it's kind of a historical look back. Hey, tell me about the scenario that you were facing. What was the path that you went down to try to investigate how to solve this problem? What did you learn from that? Who are the people in your consideration set? How did you evaluate them? Why did you make your final decision? And that's, of course, with the context of, hey, I already know that you're a customer, so I know that you're pro our products or services, or at least the hope is that they are still pro your products or services. If not, I'm sure that will get unearthed as well. <laughs> but a lot of the times that can be more specific to replicating the language of the people that are your known buyers as opposed to people that are interested in the product class that you're selling. No, absolutely. We own another company called UTM.io, right? So it's UTM. We're the killer of the UTM spreadsheet. So if you have a UTM spreadsheet, we kill that thing. It's got a Chrome extension that a lot of people use. And the way that we came up with the idea was literally from just asking our customers and as well as marketers out there, what's one of the biggest marketing problems you're facing when it comes to tracking? And they then went on to tell us the biggest problems they had. And that was one of the ways that we came up with the product. If you were to go to UTM.io, the entire site is written around the exact words that all of our customers have said. And people basically said, we don't want to have to use these spreadsheets anymore. We don't want any more messy UTM spreadsheets. 
And that's where the term messy spreadsheets came from on our homepage was because that's what our customers said. I didn't come up with that because that wasn't the problem that I had. That was the problem that they had. We just built a product around it and then used their words on the website to better sell that service. UTM.io, where have you been all my life? <laughs> I've got lots of messy spreadsheets. Well, we'll kill all the UTM ones at least. And a lot of cool companies use it, but definitely a favorite tool of a lot of popular marketers. All right. So if you're looking to optimize your funnel, the first thing you're going to do, a little bit of a copy edit, you're going to go talk to your customers about how they think about your products and services and repurpose their language. Make sure that you're putting your value props high to the page. Maybe in parallel, you're starting to clean up your messy spreadsheets using utm.io. Give me one last tip to help you quickly optimize your funnel, something we can implement in 24 hours. I'll give you two things and I'll make them really, really quick. The first one is stop staggering your content from left to right, left to right, left to right. I've never read a book where they had everything from left to right, left to right. No, you finished reading all of the copy on the left-hand side of the page. Keep all of your copy on the left-hand side of the page and the images on the right-hand side of the page. Don't stagger the content back and forth. And the last thing is, is don't over-automate. We are humans. We are not robots. Humans don't like to be automated to the death of them, right? So try to make sure that you keep it simple. Keep automation as human as you possibly can and don't overdo it because we just don't like it. So run that by me again. You don't want to over-automate, which to me sounds like you're going to keep things manual, which means more manual work, less efficiency. When you mean don't over-automate, what are the things that are driving people nuts about marketing automations? People are sending too many messages across too many different channels in too many different ways. And they're trying to make it so that it's also super, super unique when it's really not. We can tell that we're being over-automated. I'm not saying that you should do more manual interactions. In many cases, you should probably be doing less automation than you're already doing. People have a tendency to send somebody 36 messages in the first 30 days that they're a customer. And that's too much. Just because you have the ability to automate doesn't mean that you should. I think that's a common thing that people forget about. If it doesn't feel like magic, then it's automation that we don't like. And you really have to focus on if you're going to use automation, make it so it really optimizes the experience, not just bombard us with messages. Yeah, I think the key point there, look for a relevant signal when you're sending out a marketing automation that somebody actually wants information from you, as opposed to it's time for you to send another message. Dan, great tips. I appreciate you coming on the show and walking us through some of your thoughts on how to optimize marketers funnels. Thanks so much for having me. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Dan McCaw, founder and CEO of macaw.io for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Dan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Daniel McCaw, D-A-N-I-E-L-M-C-G-A-W, or you could visit his website, which is maga.io. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.